Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. So now, on with the episode. Hi, and welcome to episode 53. Now, this is the last one in our three re-releases episodes. These episodes originally went out in December 2017. But as we're at the start of 2019, it seemed a good idea to revisit them and try to see if we can help you achieve proper change in a more long-term way than a load of New Year's resolutions that, by now, you might even already have abandoned. As before, I've edited the episode so it's up-to-date and so you can go ahead and make those changes. And this week, it's all about routines. So, why have a morning routine? What time is it? Oh no! Not again! Flippin' heck! Half nine! Quick! Sh- uh, shower! Coffee! Ah! Oh, up at this! Now remember, the theme of this podcast is taking what high-performing, successful people do and then applying it to the everyday. Regular life. Regular people. If you're running a multi-million pound business or a highly complicated project, you probably see the benefit of starting your day off in the right way. So why should it be different if you're managing a family or managing a small business or a team of people? Taking some time to think with some intention, with some purpose about your frame of mind, your physiology, getting yourself in the best place you can possibly be, whatever the circumstances, well that's got to be a good way of starting each day, hasn't it? The overriding thing I've learned is the power of routine. Whatever you do in the morning, do it routinely. The minute you start picking and choosing what you want to do, that's when you start choosing not to do things and it soon unravels. So I'm going to run through my morning routine, why I do it, where each element comes from and why it works. You can do absolutely what you want. You can copy in it in its entirety if you want to. You can steal bits of it, whatever works for you. Even if you don't do any of the things that I do, but it inspires you to think about yours then hopefully this process has been helpful. Now, obviously, there are the everyday things that I do in the morning, like everyone. I'm not a weirdo. And I'm sure that you didn't tune into this to find out which hand I brush my teeth with. No. This is about the added ingredients that I want to share with you. And there are six things, six things that I take the time to do each morning. So I'll break them down, explain a little bit on why I find each one helpful. So number one is alarm. What time do you get up? Do you get up at the same time every day or does it vary? Are you someone that bounds out of bed in the morning or are you a bit of a slow riser? Do you hit snooze? If you do, how many times? Well, there are only so many times you can hit that snooze button. Oh, not again. Just give me two more minutes. 
Okay, okay, okay. If you think you're setting yourself up for a little win each day, you know, I pressed snooze and I stole two minutes back, ask yourself the question, who are you stealing those two minutes from? In reality, you stole those two minutes from your own sleep by setting the alarm two minutes earlier than you could have. If you genuinely could get up at 7.02 without impacting your day, then set the alarm for 7.02. And that's my idea. Take control of what's going on. Work out exactly how long it takes you to do all your stuff in the morning. Most of us have got a routine that often doesn't vary very much. Decide what time it is that you need to be out of the door and then set your alarm exactly. And when I say exactly, I mean exactly. 4.50, After all, who said that it should be set for half six or 7am? Whose idea was that? Why do we do that? But by choosing a specific time and not pressing snooze, we start our day with some intent. We're effectively saying to ourselves, it's my choice to get up, I'm doing what I choose and I'm in control. But it might sound like a, a really small thing. But if the very, very first thing you do every day is get up at a time that you've given some consideration to, that you've thought with some intent, you're already starting your day off in control. And I call that a little bit of a win. So that was step one, the alarm. Step two, laugh or smile. W.C. Fields apparently said, the first thing I do in the morning is smile because you might as well get it over with. Well, I guess that is quite funny, but is that really what we think? Why do we smile? According to the research, smiling is contagious. It directly affects your brain and your body. You see, smiling activates the release of neuropeptides that work towards fighting off stress. At the same time, dopamine, endorphins and serotonin are also all released when a smile flashes across your face. Now, this not only relaxes your body, but it can lower your heart rate and your blood pressure. So trust me, look goofy, do it in a silly way. Sometimes you might even make yourself laugh, but that can't be a bad way to wake up, can it? So step two, the moment you get out of bed, the very first thing you do is to actually look at yourself in the mirror and laugh or smile. Go on, I dare you. I double dare you. It won't ever stop feeling odd. But actually, that feeling does set you up in a great way each day. Okay, number three, water. Now, there's a lot of research that suggests the significant benefit of drinking water first thing in the morning. I find a squirt of lemon juice gives it a bit of a zing, and I do immediately feel the benefits. However, there's another benefit that I hadn't realised it puts me off having my first cup of coffee. Now, I love coffee, believe you me, but I also know that caffeine is a diuretic. So actually, the more you consume, the more thirsty it can make you. And we also know that the more caffeine you drink, the more you need to drink to have the same effect. So I find that that act of drinking water, first thing, not only gets my body rehydrated, but it means I can then wait half an hour or 90 minutes for that first coffee. And that has a big impact on how I feel about myself. And actually, it makes that first coffee feel really good. So step three, within two minutes of waking, water. Step four, activity. 
For me, like not pressing snooze, exercising in the morning is all about routine. Whether you're a full-on morning run person, whether you go to a gym, or you just take a stroll, some kind of physical exercise gets the blood going and wakes the body up. Going back to the circadian rhythms, getting outside in daylight for 10 minutes can help reset your body clock. So a short stroll, a run, exercise in your front room, whatever works for you. But find your way. So long as you do something, I think you'll find the benefit. Step five, you time. It doesn't have to be meditation. It can be yoga. It could just be sitting down for 10 minutes quietly. The key is taking 10 minutes for you. It can settle your mind. It can take control back from that ticking clock for something that's important for you. A great use of that time is to ponder on this question. If I was only going to achieve one thing today, what would it be? And I don't mean a work thing, I mean a you thing. What one thing would mean that if you did it, at the end of the day, you could look back and say, this day's never happening again, and I didn't waste it because I did something that was important to me. So far then, we've looked at five things which you might not currently have in your routine. The total time, if you're counting for those five things, is 18 minutes. And if you add together uh, however long you need for eating, getting dressed and showered and so on, um, that's still all easily doable in the morning. And mentioning showers brings me on to the last step. And this one is 30 seconds. Step six, shower. Well, actually, not the act of the shower, but what you do at the end. A 30-second blast of cold water. Now, bear with me. As I said at the start, I've learned my routine from a number of different places. There's a guy called Joel Runyon who wrote a long piece on taking cold showers in the morning, the health benefits, the impact on your immune system, the impact on depression and so on. But I guess if only half of what's in that article is true, there are still some very good reasons why people like Tim Ferriss and Tony Robbins expose themselves to cold water in the morning. Now, don't worry, I'm not recommending an icy plunge pool or a completely cold shower. My version is to have a regular shower, not too hot, and then at the end, I turn the water to as cold as I can stand, just enough to get you outside of your comfort zone, and stand there for 30 seconds and feel the impact on your body. You really can feel the blood flowing. It makes you feel aware and alert. It's really not an overstatement to say that it just makes me feel alive. So that's it. Six steps. The total time for all of those things is 18 minutes and 30 seconds. So to recap, a reminder of the steps are Alarm. Set it with intention. Don't snooze. Laugh. Look in the mirror. Laugh or smile at yourself. I promise you, it's funny and good. Water. Rehydrate quickly after you've woken up. Activity. Walk outside or go to the gym or a run or whatever works for you. You time. 10 minutes. This is actually the longest piece, but 10 minutes worth of meditation, yoga, or just taking 10 to stop and think about what you want to do in the day. And the last one, shower. Cold blast, 30 seconds at the end. As I said at the start, the key to doing this successfully every day is routine. How do I remember each step when I'm half asleep? Well, if you're a fan of mnemonics, well, it's very simple. I just take the first letter of each step. Alarm, laugh, water, activity, you time, and shower, always.
I've had an intense few weeks. It's been hard work, actually. There's been work stuff, presentation stuff, family stuff, and all while shaking off some illness stuff. But I have only been able to do some of that stuff because I've got some routines and rituals which help keep me grounded. They help me manage stuff and enable me to put it all into context. Without those rituals and routines, it would have been much tougher and I might not have been able to do it at all. And of course, I've also got to keep some energy in reserve to do the podcast, haven't I? After all, I can't let you down, can I? So I thought that having covered routines in last week's show in terms of the start of the day, it would make sense to stick with routines and kind of bookend that subject by talking about end-of-day routines in this episode. Now for me, my start-of-day routine and my end-of-day routine combine to mean that what goes on in the middle is deliverable. The start-of-day routine only works if I get my sleep, and I only get my sleep if I end my day well, and so on. So why have an end-of-day routine? The advice seems to be, at whatever point you find your working day ends, having a defined end-of-day routine can help you transition away from work mode and, as we said, reduce stress, improve your relationships and many other things. So what's in this end-of-day work routine? Well, I'll tell you. The people from the Todoist app list seven things. I really like this list. It's comprehensive and there's lots to think about. Now, don't worry about writing these down. I'll put a link to this whole article in the show notes. But the seven things in their list are as follows. Step one, clean up your physical and digital workspaces. Step two, review your to-dones. Yep, I don't mean to-dos, your to-dones. After all, you have to-dos at the start of the day, and then when you've done them, they're to-dones. Step three, write out tomorrow's to-do list. So they say in this, um, in this article that one of the most common end-of-the-workday habits is planning out what needs to be done the next day. And writing out tomorrow's to-do list at the end of your workday can have a significant effect in boosting your productivity. Step four, set yourself up to eat your frog first thing in the morning. In this article, they reference Mark Twain's quote that he apparently famously said, eat a live frog first thing in the morning and nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. Step five, confront the things you've been putting off. Now, we've all got those, um, those things on our to-do list, haven't we, that we just don't seem to cross off. And they make us feel uncomfortable. And because they make us feel uncomfortable, we keep putting them off. Tim Ferriss says in his podcast that the things that make you feel most uncomfortable are uncomfortable because they're important and you haven't done them. Step six, set a time to end your workday and stick to it. Now, they say here that if you end the workday at a certain time, you'll work more efficiently throughout the day. And they talk about research consistently showing that the more hours we work, the less productive we become. Step seven, end on a high note. Now, sometimes it is difficult to feel good about your workday if you feel like you've not had a very productive day. So putting things into your end-of-day routine to make you feel positive about that day can be really helpful. So that's just one example of an end-of-day routine that has seven steps that you can think about putting into practice. 
There's a lot there. I'll put the link to the whole article in the show notes, which gives you the science and more detail on why each step is there. And you can have a look, pick the bits you want to play with, and try it out and see what works for you. There's loads of other versions of an end-of-day work routine, of course, and whatever yours looks like, it's worth spending some time on deciding what really works for you. Personally, I have a five-minute version, which is from Peter Bregman's 18 Minutes book, which we've covered in previous episodes. I'll let you have a copy of that routine in the notes too. So there's some ideas about an end-of-workday routine. But I also talked about an end-of-day-day routine. I keep saying end-of-day-day routine because I can't really think of any other way to express it. Maybe you could make some suggestions on a postcard, please. But I've learned that this final end-of-day routine or ritual has got multiple benefits. And I'll explain each of them as I go through them. So step one of my end-of-day-day routine is turn off your screen time. Now, emails and work can spread into the evening, and we know sometimes that's unavoidable. If you take a second to think about it, it might seem like simple common sense to decide to end your working day at a fixed time. But the problem is emails, research, social media, these things can occupy that kind of blurry middle ground between work and personal. And even if your browsing in the evening is entirely personal, there's a good reason to agree with yourself that what time that should stop. And it's not just about giving your brain a rest. The reason is blue light and our old friend circadian rhythms. You see, the research shows that the short wavelengths in the light from your device can suppress the production of melatonin. And this, in turn, changes your circadian clock, tricking your body into thinking that it's not yet time to wind down for bed because your body thinks it's still experiencing daylight. Step two in my end-of-day-day routine. Come on, I can't think of anything better to call it. You tell me what to call it. Step two in my end-of-day routine is to wind down. Have you ever found yourself collapsing into bed after a hard day? You start to drift, and then suddenly you're wide awake and you can't sleep. It's frustrating, isn't it? And it could be because your system hasn't caught up with your need to sleep. If you then combine this with a nighttime routine whose times vary, it can be really difficult to get the right quality of rest. And there are two parts to it. There's a physical part and a neurological part. Allowing yourself a wind-down period before you actually need to sleep gets your body to make that transition from wake to sleep. And step three is journal. Now this is key for me. In order to sleep, I need to have as little buzzing around my mind as possible. Now I know I've done my work end-of-day routine, so that's not a problem. But journaling at the end of our waking day can signal to our brain that this is the end of the day and now it's time to sleep so we can switch off more easily. So we've covered quite a lot this week, which is odd that considering by Thursday, I wasn't even sure what I was going to talk about today. I was worried that I'd be sitting here Saturday morning in the studio, staring out the window, looking at the sheep, <coughs> listening to the sheep and just making noises. Maybe that's a good description of what actually happened. I hope not. So to summarise then, having an end-of-day routine can improve your productivity, it can support your start-of-day routine, and it can help you sleep better. There are lots of options. My suggestion is to have an end-of-day routine in two halves, one for your work day 
and one for your day day yeah i know um i'll put the details in the show notes so you can read more steal what you like and make it work for you well it's 2019 steve here again and that's the end of our final re-release series we've looked at habits we've looked at goals and we've looked at routines i hope they've all been really helpful if they have would you let us know on twitter facebook or instagram we're at sharp podcast we'll be back next month with a brand new subject but in the meantime See if you can put one or two of the ideas that we've shared with you into practice. Bye-bye. All the links, resource and articles I've used in this episode will be in the show notes right there on your device. Hopefully you'll find them helpful and useful and hopefully you'll find this whole podcast helpful and useful. I hope you do and I do spend a lot of time and effort making sure it's relevant, helpful and entertaining enough for you to listen to. If you agree and you'd like to show your support, there are several ways you can do it. You could go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating or a great review, which would be fab. Alternatively, you can share the podcast on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. We are at Sharp Podcast, one word, two Ps. Or you could even show someone how to subscribe on their phone or their device. And finally, on the website, sharppodcast.com, you can leave feedback, subscribe or go and listen to the archive episodes. I'm off. I hope you're able to find one thing before our next episode that you can do, which will help you get better. And remember, don't waste time comparing yourself to anyone else. The only person you should try to be any better than is the person that you were yesterday. Bye-bye.